An arsonist is setting fire to the houses of worship in a small town. First, he torches the Catholic Church. The priest dashes through the flames and saves the communion chalice. Then he burns down the synagogue. In the nick of time, the rabbi runs in and rescues the Torah. Then he sets fire to the Unitarian Universalist Church. Heedless of the danger, the minister plunges into the blaze and emerges, coughing and covered with soot, triumphantly clutching the coffee pot. (laughs) What is holy to us? What do we worship? Do we worship anything? What is worship anyway? Is it an act of subservience, like a vassal kneeling before a lord? I was raised High Episcopalian, and for decades after I fled that faith, the whole idea of worship made me nervous, because it came laden with obligation and guilt and an insinuation of my own unworthiness. But worship originally meant worthship. Worthship, the quality of being worthy. Worship was an act of honoring the worth of something. Only later did the word come to suggest adoration of a divine being or homage owed as a duty. Today, you and I are free to choose what to worship. We make this choice in every moment by where we place our attention, our time, our energy, and our wealth. In religious worship, we name and celebrate our values and our ideals. Though it's not the most important part of church life for everyone, worship is the primary way we define ourselves as a congregation. It's our collective choice of what we hold most dear. In a secular society driven by commerce and sensation, religious worship offers our response to the question, is nothing sacred? We answer, yes, worship is. In her prayer on Sunday morning, Unitarian Universalist minister Barbara Peskin declares, Buddha does not require praise, nor the Tao, nor the great unnameable God toward whom we turn our backs. The Minotaur does not prowl anymore for its breakfast of virgins. It is I who need to light candles, pray, Breathe words like flames. My silences alight in my blank face. Ride what rises on my warm breath. Ride it out past dawn. Each Sunday morning in this, our sanctuary, we consecrate a small portion of time and space to our higher selves. 
Here we contemplate in Paul Philibert's words a vision of human relationships where beauty is more desirable than financial profit, friendship more precious than advantage, and solidarity in a common vision of human dignity more compelling than self-fulfillment. Even when I find church boring, Kathleen Norris reflects, I try to hold this in my mind as a possibility, like all the other fools who have dragged themselves to church on Sunday morning, including the pastor. I am there because I need to be reminded that love can be the center of all things if we will only keep it there. At its essence, worship is neither entertainment nor education, although these are wonderful and important things. Worship is an intentional act of remembrance, and remembrance is the essence of spirituality. We know all about forgetfulness. Forgetfulness stalks us every moment. It overtakes and consumes us whenever we treat people as objects, work as a chore, time as an enemy, life as a given. Howard Thurman, the great preacher, theologian and spiritual advisor to Martin Luther King Jr. understood forgetfulness. Little by little, he wrote, there crept into my life the dust and grit of the journey. Details, lower level demands, all kinds of cross currents, nothing momentous, nothing overwhelming, nothing flagrant, just wear and tear. just wear and tear. Worn and torn, we worship to remember who we are and what and whom we love. Muslims practice dikir, which means remembrance, through prayer, meditation, and repetition of the holy name. Worship, too, is the practice of remembrance. Faith in the divine can deepen worship, but it's not required. Even if the universe is mostly hydrogen atoms, says Norris, and the few human beings who exist in it are continually at war with each other, even if time and space stretch out into the void, here, in this ordinary church service, I have gained the strength to live this moment, the present moment, for the first time in days. In our theological diversity, Unitarian Universalist worship faces a fundamental challenge. The third principle of Unitarian Universalism calls for acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations. But the truth is we vary widely, both in our desire for spiritual depth and in our tolerance of efforts to promote it. 
Those of us burned by past religious experience are especially sensitive to doctrinal conformity. One Unitarian Universalist's depth is another's dogma. One person's holy is another's hocus-pocus. Last winter, our assessment of shared ministry asked, among other things, how congregants identified religiously or theologically. Your responses show that in this regard, we are more diverse than ever. Respondents could select as many labels as they wished. Of those indicating an identity as either important or somewhat important, 74 indicated humanist, 62 spiritual, 54 earth-centered, 49 Buddhist, 45 agnostic, 38 mystic, 44 Christian, 42 atheist. Another 10 categories were also affirmed, including Jewish, Hindu, Muslim, and feminist spiritual. 46 respondents said they were content hearing the word God in worship regularly. 45 occasionally. 18, or one out of every six respondents, rarely. Because some of you have voiced concerns about theism in our worship, I decided to scan a few recent Sunday services for theism. I chose four consecutive Sundays, November 11 through December 2nd. In those four Sundays, there were four calls to worship, none mentioned God or the divine. There were four welcome and greetings without theism, only invitation into beloved community and the practice of unconditional love. Our weekly covenant says nothing about the divine. It cites the call of love, the search for truth and meaning, and the struggle for justice and compassion. There were four chalice lightings, four appreciation and invitations, three stories for all ages, one responsive reading, four offerings, four benedictions, four extinguishings, extinguishings of the chalice, all without any reference to God. Now, prayer is a challenging form for Unitarian Universalists. If a prayer isn't addressed to someone or something, it's not really a prayer at all. It might be a poem or a meditation, but it's, it's not a prayer. But if, it, if, it, if it's addressed to someone, then some of us will be uncomfortable because they will feel invited or maybe even coerced into conversation with something they're confident does not exist. That's one reason you'll never, you'll never hear us say, let us pray. More likely we'll say some invite you to join in the spirit of prayer. Rather than addressing our prayers to God or Lord, we typically offer multiple forms of address, which can be interpreted either cumulatively or alternatively. So, for example, on November 11, Reverend Lilia Cuervo addressed her prayer on the subject of community to Source of Life, Holy One, known by many names and yet beyond any naming. On November 18, ministerial intern Kenny Wiley spoke his prayer simply to Spirit of Life, on November 25th, I lifted up a prayer to breath of the universe, essence of the holy, God of many names, and one abundant love. The following Sunday, I offered a prayer composed by John Philip Newell, 
former warden of Iona Abbey in the Western Isles of Scotland. It includes these words, I watch for your light, O God, in the eyes of every living creature and in the ever-living flame of my own soul. If the grace of seeing were mine this day, I would glimpse you in all that lives. In keeping with the animism that informs the Celtic Christian tradition, Newell's God is a God that is in every living thing, including each one of us. In sermons those four Sundays, there was very little mention of the divine, almost always in reference to religious tradition rather than as present affirmation. In my November 11th sermon on belonging, the meaning of membership, there was nothing at all about God or the divine. When Kenny Wiley preached the following week, he disclosed, this summer my heart was broken from grief and loss I had allowed that heartbreak to isolate me from spiritual community, from family, from friends, from the divine. In other words, from home. Kenny was speaking his truth. It may or may not be yours, but it was his. On November 25th, when I preached on when good people do bad things, I quoted Jesus saying, no one is good but God alone to make the point that all of us are imperfect. Finally, my December 2nd sermon, The Flaming Chalice, included Yahweh and Christ in a paragraph surveying the significance of fire in various religious traditions, among them Hinduism, paganism, and Greek mythology, as well as Judaism and Christianity. The reference would not be out of place in an anthropology lecture. I also made passing mention of the insistence of 18th century Christian universalism that a loving God would not damn any human being to eternal torment. This historical statement assumes no belief on the part of the listener. Those four Sundays, the congregation sang 13 hymns and songs, 11 in English, two in Spanish. None of the lyrics contain any God language. Instead, they say things like, step inside the circle of kinship, gather the spirit, gracias por este nuevo día. Thanks for this new day, and may you never forget you are loved. One song did make a theological claim that was actually negative. In a verse of David Tamulevich's A Simple Faith, I sang, There is no hell to fear, no judgment day drawing near, which would certainly displease an Orthodox Christian. Every week the children begin the service with us, we sing them out of the sanctuary with our song of blessing, Go Now in Peace. Although the lyrics printed in our hymnal are, May the love of God surround you, this congregation, like many other Unitarian Universalist congregations, sings, May the spirit of love surround you, even though the late composer Natalie Sleeth refused to permit this alteration. Drawing from many different cultural and religious traditions, the repertoire of the first parish choir sometimes includes the theistic language of those traditions. Of the seven pieces sung by the choir and soloists those four Sundays, only two contained God language, both African-American spirituals, Wade in the Water as part of a medley of spirituals, and He's Got the Whole World in His Hands, sung as a solo by our alto section leader, Matthew Truss. Now, to remove God from an African-American spiritual, of course, would 
cross the line from theological revision into cultural misappropriation. We can favor broader expressions of faith like this little light of mine or come and go with me, and we usually do. But if we are to honor Christianity among the sources of Unitarian Universalism and the African-American tradition as part of our cultural heritage, surely there's room for wade in the water and he's got the whole world in his hands. Nor can we deny the indigenous pagan traditions of Dia de los Muertos or Yule or the Christian content of Christmas Eve or Dia de Reyes. In all, over those four Sundays, I counted 73 worship elements, of which at most two songs, three prayers, and three sermons, or barely 10%, contained even a fleeting reference to divinity. Calculated as time, these references comprised less than 1% of our worship. But if theism irritates, any theism may be too much. If theism nourishes, you may be hungry for more. Unitarian Universalism is embarked on a religiously unique enterprise to honor all faiths and traditions, theist, atheist, agnostic, all of the above, none of the above, so long as we respect the paths chosen by others. For our diverse religious community to thrive, each of us must bring to our shared worship curiosity, generosity, and kindness. Kathleen Norris puts it beautifully. Good liturgy is a living poem that makes room for all the dimensions of human experience in the hope that together we will discover something that transforms us. In this meeting house, in this sacred space, let us make living poetry. Let us be transformed. Let us worship together. Amen and blessed be.